Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on Article 18 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage from the prophet Jeremiah. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right, we're, we are in to the Old Testament. We're talking about free will, and uh, there's some really great passages of Scripture, but we're in Jeremiah 17. Yeah, we're going to actually be talking about lack of free will today yeah. <laughs> in every way, shape, and form imaginable. Yeah, yeah. right. If you can't come away from this passage understanding that uh, you're not contributing anything to the formula, then yeah. you're not paying attention. Right. Yeah, why, why didn't they call it the bondage of the will instead of freedom of the will? I think Luther had already been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem they're addressing isn't the problem of the bondage of the will. The mm-hmm. problem they're addressing is free will. The argument okay. of free will. Yeah, gotcha, yep. gotcha. Yeah, had had Luther written the bondage of the will at this time? I guess I, I'd have to look back at the timeline of all that. I don't know the date of the bondage of the will. It's, it's pretty close to... Uh, so Augsburg Confession is 1530. Apology is just a little bit later mm-hmm. in 1530. Uh I want to say bondage of the will is like 1532 or 33, but I'm probably way off on that. Are you looking it up right now? I am going to look it up because it's going to bother me otherwise. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where it's at. Yeah. But, uh, 1525. Oh, it was way off. Samsonite. I was way <laughs> off. Uh, so, it, so, so early it had, Luther. Had, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's probably, you know, just talking about this today, it's, it's a good reminder to me to maybe just go back and read that again. It's been a little while. I think I read it when I was in college, if, if I remember. Yeah, we right. had to read yeah. it in seminary, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Never uh, mind. But I, I'm read... sure I did that assignment. <laughs> I, <laughs> I won't it... tell Dr. Munson. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh... I've read it once since seminary, mm-hmm. but it is a slow read. Right. You've got to stop it's, frequently it's in process. Yep. Yep. Which is good. But yeah. it, it's still a worthy read. Highly recommend it. There are, as far as I remember, uh, uh, public domain copies of Bondage of the Will available. It's not too hard to find. But definitely, uh, if this is a topic that you have been confused about mm-hmm. or have been falsely taught, uh, Bondage of the Will is where you're going to get all your clarity from mm-hmm. as far as the Lutheran perspective. Yeah. On a side note, I think we really should get back into attacking people like Luther did in the Bondage <laughs> of the Will with Erasmus. <laughs> You know, he just goes the, after the it. Oh, how can you generator. be so stupid? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the insult generator comes, I think, in lo- a large part from the the it's bondage of the will. Sentence by sentence, the text of the bondage <laughs> yeah. of the will. And how could this pig-headed idiot be so? You know. Yeah. And it goes. We need to do that more. I think I'm going to start we're, a we're spin-off podcast yeah. that's a little bit darker than what we do here. <laughs> Notice that the one person who says we need to do this right now, Brad, uh-huh. is the one who's not on Twitter right now. Oh, <laughs> I just yeah. Think, you need a little bit more context. I would get kicked off. <laughs> yes, I wouldn't be allowed there anyway. Had I, yeah, all had of I the attacking chosen to do there. so, right? All right, Brett, recover us again. Okay, so... Read the word, Brett. <laughs> read yeah, hope. Uh, let's, let's cleanse our consciences by uh, reading the word. Jeremiah 17, <laughs> <laughs> 1 through 10. Uh, grab your Bible and follow along with us. I'm reading from the ESV, Jeremiah 17, 1 through 10. 
And it says this, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars, while their children remember their altars and their asherim, beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains, in the open country. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever." Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, it is not anxious in year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. All right, here ends the reading today. Amen. Amen. I think I counted at least six errors of the generic American church that are condemned by this passage. <laughs> I, was just going to, I, I saw you, you, you can't see, audience, you can't see Jason, but he, he was, was like... Making yeah, mental making, notes because right. it was just popping off the page. I was like, oh my goodness, yeah. this, is, this is quite the passage, isn't it? You want to just give us a rundown yeah, of that so, that you noticed? Um, the, the first thing I noticed is that uh, God is recording the sins of the people on the tablet of the heart, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the way, the fluttery way, uh, generic American Christianity speaks about things of the heart mm -hmm. and, and, oh no, God's engraving our sin on our heart. So that was number one. Okay. Um, then verse three, your wealth and all your treasures are given for spoil as the price for their idolatry. It's a condemnation of the prosperity gospel. <laughs> All right. Uh, four, you shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I give you. Uh, in generic American Christianity, the novel is celebrated and the traditional is thrown out the window. And that is a punishment here. Okay. And not something to be celebrated. Um, the... Uh, the next one was, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. That's the man is basically good okay. argument. Um, I want to say I'm... Uh, oh, the other one, uh, the, the one I missed before that, that was verse 5. The one I missed at the end of verse 4 uh, is uh, the, the joke that in every contemporary praise and worship song, something's on fire and it's always good. <laughs> or, or there's water involved. Yeah. Uh, here, the fire is not good news. Uh, God's anger is kindled like a fire that burns forever. So that's five. And then the last one <laughs> I, I was in verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. And that is the error in the generic American church that our sincerity matters, hmm. that so long as we're doing something sincerely and committed, God will honor that. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to test your motivation and condemn that too. Mm -hmm. So that was six 
errors currently being taught in the generic American church that are condemned by these 10 verses. I don't, I don't like how Jason's able to just pull out a six point sermon yeah, out of right. nothing here. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, <laughs> looking through the text, he has a six point. I was just going to say, I mean, if you can go to this text and think you're okay, you're on something. Yeah, well, That's all I was going to say. Yeah. That's my sermon. So my whole thing that, that this comes from is that dead horses are the easiest ones to beat. Yeah. So if I just yes. harp on the same things over and over and over again, and you, you start to see it but i just think it's it's there in spades in this passage right if i were to give you a christmas gift and i just thought of this right now i, I would probably get, make one of those like a straw man and then just like put a t-shirt that says the general american christian this is the straw man the yeah I, straw men burn easier than any other opponent right. we yep. should have that as a celebration at some point like when it's jason's yeah. birthday of a pinata right of a straw man. that'd be great Being well, you know swag when, when i when i was a kid <laughs> The official market that. <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, my dad had a baseball card shop, and somebody gave him a little doll that was uh, an umpire, like a baseball umpire, and it was meant to be ripped apart. And, you know, like the arms, they were, it was all oh, Velcro. Velcro, you know, to take your anger out on the the doll. Interesting. Oh, so we need like a. Never mind. We All should right. do that. I'm <laughs> taking a dark. My dark heart turn. is desperately yeah. wicked. Yes. I'm thinking these yeah. things. Yeah, but right. Yeah, it, the heart is desperately wicked. If if you come away from this with right. a, a, a sense of the prosperity gospel, or or the Disney theology, I was going to say this is the anti-Disney. Yeah. Well, that would be number seven. Yeah. I, I skipped over right. the obvious one because it was just laid out on our plate. I, all of the the temptations of our sinful heart. As Christians, not just the the temptations to sin, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life, all, all of the temptations for us to distort our faith into something that resembles us rather than something God has delivered to us mm-hmm. are laid bare in this passage. And, and it comes down to the corrupt nature of our heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can know it? Who can understand it? And if that if if you think the expression of your faith is from being authentic to yourself or being earnest in your heart's desires, uh, you're going to end up in a place of despair because your heart is more capable of deceiving you than almost anything else out there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The, uh, yeah, the, the nature of the language here is so pointed, you know, with the point of a diamond, it is engraved on their heart. I was just talking about, I, w- I stayed at a, at my mom's house and the bed we sleep, sleep on there is so hard. I said to my mom, I said, it might scratch Courtney's diamond. So I think we're going to have to like, you know, not sleep there anymore. It was that hard. And, and we we're joking about that the other day. The point in, in the sex, the, there's nothing harder than a diamond and it's there. There's no coming back from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think as you lay out this whole argument, the thing that stands out to me is is then it comes to the point of what do we do with this? Where do we go? Uh, I, and I, I keep coming back to this in my mind, but it says that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, verse seven. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's hope there. And it's interesting that the answer to the the sickness of, of the heart, as is described in verse nine, the answer is verse seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. It, it comes right back. It, it comes full circle to faith. That's where that's where the uh, the rubber meets the road, or that's the hinge of this passage. You really see the genius 
in Luther's writing the catechism because this is first commandment stuff right here in scripture Mm -hmm. for us that the answer to our idolatry, which is again, under siege in these 10 verses, the answer to our idolatry is that we should fear, love and trust God above all things. And and even in, in that explanation, that is not a quantifiable thing that, you know, the intent isn't necessarily always for us to look, am I trusting in God in all things or only in some things? The outcome of our faith is that we are trusting in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think about how to ask this question. Um, you know, I, I love that verse seven is there, and you know, verse seven and eight, it very much sounds like Psalm one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, like a direct quote of that wonderful psalm there. Um, I, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I could see how some, you know, like this general American Christian would say. Well, yeah, verse seven, your heart can trust in the Lord. or it, Almost like a, a contradiction a little bit of verse nine, uh, that our heart is deceitful above all things. Um, how, how can you balance, or not balance, but uh, keep those in, in tension? Well, that, that juxtaposition there is intentional. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it, it obliterates just in this passage the notion that faith is something we are capable of doing mm-hmm. because of the heart, the heart, the core of who we are is the 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 i mean the expression of consciousness comes from the heart that's the center of the human being at least from western culture's perspective right the heart is deceitful above all things and and yet the the invitation here mm-hmm is to trust in the Lord. It must be something apart from what our heart does mm-hmm. under its own power. It has to be, you know, you have two verses about faith and you have eight verses about our failure to conjure up anything good in ourselves. Yeah. There's a permanence to our corruption in these verses. And God comes with this message of the gospel like an oasis in the desert, even specifically with the imagery in this, and it's a tree planted by water. The outcome of our faith is that we we are nourished from an external source. The, The tree doesn't water itself. The tree is planted and fed from outside of itself. It's also true that the tree doesn't plant itself. That's an, I mean, if we're going with that language, right? Yeah, yeah. That the tree doesn't plant itself, it doesn't water itself, it's the act of God. It's a, the same conversation when we talk about the new birth. You know, we don't choose to be born. That's not one of our, uh, one of our uh, op- opportunities and say, yeah, you know, the 80s sound like a good decade to be born. That's, why don't we <laughs> Very try best for a decade? Yeah, yeah right. That's true. Well, that's it's, true. you know, it's like when we say happy birthday to people, I, I have a friend who says, congratulations on being born. Yeah. <laughs> we say happy birthday, like they've, they've accomplished something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know, it's, we are so desperate to yeah. see some good in ourselves right. and to see some good in others. And, and you know, it, it's interesting to me, Adam, you brought up Luther's willingness to attack, mm-hmm. you know, Luther, well, Luther attacked, I think his intention was always to attack error mm-hmm. and never to attack individuals. Take the he, dog and console the child. Com- comfort, yeah. Although he often attacked individuals. He did, uh, especially in the bondage of the will with, <laughs> with Erasmus. Yeah. But what's interesting is 
we end up, you know, not only thinking more highly of ourselves, but thinking more highly of others wanting to see the good in them. What this ends up doing is it causes us to treat others poorly if we can't see the good in them. But if we're directed back to redemption and faith, we're permitted in passages like this from Scripture to see someone else who has the same condition we do, but then to see them as someone whom Christ has died for. Yeah. Rather than than putting them in either I understand, I like this person, or I don't like this person, every human becomes one for whom God is laying this, you know, tree planted by water, you know, laying that before us. Laying that invitation out yep. there. Yeah. It's interesting to me that the, the law and the gospel is so clear. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this in weeks previous, specifically in regard to this article, but the... Um, the law and the gospel, right? We bring nothing to the table. God brings everything. Where there is no hope, there is all of a sudden hope in the gospel. In you know, and in, in that it hinges, of course, verse seven on faith, and it's fed, you know, by the you know the Savior and not by us. And the thing that keeps coming to mind for me, and I, I mentioned this in weeks previous, but it's the idea that's brought up. It's it's talked about in the formula. Uh, we we learned about it. I know in our classes in seminary, as we were in seminary together, uh, and other Lutheran seminaries as well. Just the nature of what happens when we trust ourselves. What happens when we are focusing on I can do this? When when you take verse seven out of this and you ignore the parts about the you know our hearts being desperately wicked, we think we got this. What's the result? The the two results are we think we're okay. You know, we, we become Pharisees and we create for us a little caricature of the law that we can uphold and keep and say, look, I haven't murdered my neighbor this morning. I'm a, I'm a decent person, right? The alternative feeling, and this is where I was personally, and this is why this is so comforting to me, this nature of the, the bondage of the will, that I, I recognized I recognized verses, you know, one through six and nine through ten, and following as well. But the the verses that we've read, I I got that part that I am desperately wicked and I can't bring anything to the table, and therefore I am a horrible human being. And then at that's at that point is when I heard, "Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord." That that gave me hope. That gave me a brand new. Uh, vision of, of ministry. When I recognized I couldn't do it and Jesus could, boy, was that a relief. Hmm. Hmm. And, it, and it clarifies something to add to what you were saying, yeah. Brett, earlier with this juxtaposition between seven and eight mm-hmm. and then nine. If you don't see that juxtaposition, 10 sets you up for failure again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. If you're not paying attention to what this passage has been saying, it, it leaves the door open. Well, if I just purify my mind, if I just commit harder, if I'm just more sincere in my intentions, then I will finally earn God's favor. It's it's that carrot on a stick, that well done, good and faithful servant Mm -hmm. uh, passage that is always used by the generic church to kind of encourage people. And that's not what this is saying at all. If if our faith is in the Lord Mm -hmm. and we understand that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. At this point, you are either going to be judged by your deeds, which you have done and be found wanting and be condemned, or you're going to be judged by Christ's deeds 
in faith, which are now your deeds, right. and then you will be approved. It's the difference between being judged by the root of our deeds and the fruit of our deeds, right? As you're looking at, if it was our root of our deeds, well, the root's ugly, and it's it's really not very pretty when we look to ourselves. But the fruit, something that goes back, you know, bearing that uh, fruit in verse 8, right? It does not cease to bear fruit when we realize that the fruit comes from being planted and being planted rightly in Christ, that faith in him is, is what is, is the fruit. That fruit is now that which we're judged by. Yeah, it's we're not to look at verse 10 and look at this as an additional appeal to go out and get things right finally. Mm-hmm. That's not what verse 10 is saying. What verse 10 is saying is that the deeds that you are judged by are yours in Christ. Everything Christ has done is yours. Mm -hmm. Everything you do now is done in front of God as if it was Christ doing it. And that's the outcome of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't believe me, just rewind a verse and keep saying it. The heart is desperately wicked. It's (laughs) deceitful above all things. We are not permitted at the end of this passage to bounce back inside of ourselves and to start getting it. And this is the problem of the American concept of preaching the gospel as God's giving us a second chance to get it right, and then a third chance, and then a fourth chance. In the gospel, we are not better versions of our sinful selves. In the gospel, we are new creations. We are something different. We have been put to death and raised with Christ, a new creation. Mm, That's exactly what's being said here. It's not just here. This isn't just this section of scripture that we're looking. This is Romans. I mean, this is Paul's argument in the book of Romans too. It's those works are fruits. They are uh, the outcoming uh, of what comes through faith in Christ. And they are the works of, like, like you're saying, the works of Christ. And it's also Paul's argument in Galatians. And it's John's argument in First John. It's all. It's, it's the argument of the Book of Hebrews. It's all over Scripture because it's the necessary theme that we are all as functional idolaters addicted to works righteousness. We want to worship ourselves in what we've done either for ourselves or for God, which ultimately will be for ourselves because we want the credit. And in the Bible, over and over and over again, assaults that addiction until it brings us to repentance and we are washed over with the good news of the gospel. Mm, amen. And, and the result is our trust is not in ourself. It's not in our will, but our, our trust is in the Lord. Yep. And our trust is not in someone else. And, and, you know, that's where you can veer off again as well. If I'm wicked, well, maybe I can follow someone else. No, it's, it's us or God for salvation is what it's going to end up in. And God Thankfully, again, according to what Luther teaches in the first commandment from scripture, God presents himself as the God who is there for us. Hmm. He's a worthy object of our faith. Amen. Amen. Well, that I think that wraps it up for this episode. Any closing comments uh, on this text? I think it's a good place to yeah. stop. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week and Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and Pastor Adam wrap up their discussion on Article 18 of the Augsburg Confession. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.